Episode 34, Artist Sandow Burke. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the luxurious library bar in the magnificent Mayfair Hotel right here in downtown L.A. I spot my appointment with his back to the wall. His nose is in the day's racing form. I like him already. He's trim, clean-shaven, with closely cropped salt-and-pepper hair. He's dressed casually but stylishly, in all black. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any. Oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guest today is the prolific L.A.-based artist Sandow Burke. Burke creates monumental series developed over the course of many years, often working across media, including painting, drawing, printmaking, writing, film, video, and sculpture. You may be familiar with his epic The Great War of the Californias, depicting an imaginary war between San Francisco and L.A., incorporating more than 120 artworks, including paintings and drawings, prints, faux war posters, maps, diagrams, models, and video documentary. Or you may have heard of, or if not, I'm sure you will, of his more recent project called American Quran. Nine years in the making, the project was inspired by a decade of extended travel in Islamic regions of the world and is the entire Quran hand-transcribed according to historic Islamic tradition. The text is illuminated with relevant scenes from contemporary American life. It's an amazing piece of work. Born in Detroit but raised in the O.C., Burke is well-traveled and his subjects are as wide-ranging as his worldwide adventures. Images of gang violence, graffiti culture, prisons, surfing, skateboarding, Dante's Divine Comedy, the Iraq War, and the Quran are all treated with an eye towards social justice and historical context. Burke has exhibited in dozens of museums and galleries, and his work is in many public and museum collections, including San Francisco MoMA. LACMA, the Getty Center in L.A., the Met, and the Harvard University Art Museum, as well as in several renowned European museums. Burke has received an NEA grant and fellowships from the Guggenheim, Fulbright, the Getty, and the City of L.A. There are no less than seven books devoted to his various projects, which is obviously one of the reasons I'm excited to have him on tonight. So please welcome Sandow Burke. So, welcome Sandow Burke. Hello. Hello. <laughs> thank you for thank you for coming out in the rain. I don't know what it is about LA drivers, but I took the train. Oh, you did. Yes, yeah, so oh, I was going to do that too, and then I was running late. And yeah, it was fine. I didn't. Re- yeah, it was pouring when I came out of the train. It was yeah. freaking pouring, but now it was fine. Anyway, so I'm really glad you came. Thanks for braving the rain, taking the train. Um, I wanted to ask you about you know your current projects. Well. I should say I'm a big fan of the work, and um, so I want to talk about uh, you know your about the work. But maybe a place to start would be um, your current projects. If you could talk about those, and I'm spe- uh, specifically interested in the Quran 
uh, American Crown, which I think is on view now at or in an exhibition South Carolina. in South Carolina. Yeah, I just was there last week. Oh, terrific. For the opening or just to go? Uh, I went I, to give a talk and mm-hmm. there was a little party and oh, nice. see the show. I think it's been up already for a month. Oh, and it, but it goes on for a while. For anybody in South Carolina, it's a, where is it? Uh, it's in Spartanburg at the University of South Carolina Upstate, mm. it's called. Yeah, it was a crazy huge project. It was, like, insane. <laughs> <to me. laughs> and so, but, and so for people who haven't seen it, it, it is a print, or there are prints, right? Uh, it's, a book. it's a book. Yeah. But the... But the, uh, the show, when they show it, they're showing the, the individual pages, which are hand... The paintings. Oh, un- unbound. Yeah, they show them unbound. Mm-hmm. And then they have the book. The books is a trade book that you can get on Amazon and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea was to make basically an illuminated manuscript, all done by hand, right? Um, of the Quran, um, for American audience. So. I did. I hand transcribed the entire text of the Quran in English, um, using the English translation, and then decorated every page all the way around with scenes of life in contemporary United States. And the images are um, metaphors for what's going on in, in the, the text. In the text. Yeah. Ah, I didn't realize that. I thought there. I I have to. I have to look at it more closely myself. But I thought it's interesting that if it's in, if it's translated, it's not considered officially from the Quran, right, or something like that. I, you know, I guess it's yeah. all, you know, all these sort of rules about the Quran are really regional, mm. and if you go to one part of the world, they don't really care if you put pictures in it. If you go to another part, they really do care. Oh, right. Part of the project was to show that uh, Islam is not just a Middle Eastern religion, it's a global religion, and it's an American religion, mm-hmm. and it's uh, you know, mostly it's an Asian religion, and the vast majority of Muslims live in Asia. Uh, so, Yeah, so the perception is that it's this extreme thing out of the Middle East. Is yeah, that, yeah. Uh, previously I had done this project about the war in Iraq, Right. And for that, that project took like about two years. So I was really, you know, this was back when the war in Iraq was going on in the 2000s. And so I was really following the war in Iraq and reading about it and, you know, reading the LA Times and the maps that came and everything and, and listening to the radio. And, you know, this whole American conversation was about after 9-11, was, you know, is Islam... A violent religion is mm-hmm. it at odds with Western civilization? Is it you know, a, a, just this constant American discussion about what is Islam? And I, after a while, listening to all this, I started sort of dawned on me that from surfing, from traveling as a surfer, I had been to Islamic places, I think ten or eleven times, mm. and I started thinking, you know, I've been to Islamic parts of the world. I've had amazing experiences. I've met really cool people and ate wonderful food and been in mosques and mm. I'm like the way that this Americans are talking about Islam is not anything like my personal experience and that made me just think one day you know 
I'm sick of listening to people tell me what Islam is, and I just went and bought a copy of the Quran and started reading it. And if you've never read the Quran, I, I, everyone should. Yeah. <laughs> you should at least read a page of it sure. in the library or something, because I've said before, working on this project, um, I think you could argue that in the last 20 years, the Quran's probably the most important book in, in the world, for better or for worse, right. for politics, for history, and for an informed American not to have any idea what it says inside, I think. Yeah, that is, and, and what's fascinating too is, is uh, you know, we focus on uh, the differences when in fact they share quite a bit of, of Christianity and Judaism. There's, you know, there's a whole chapter on, or I don't know what they call them, chapters, but there's a whole part about uh, Mary and mm -hmm. she's revered. There's Angel Gabriel who actually delivers the word. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. Noah's Ark, <laughs> right. Adam and Eve. Yeah. Jesus and Mary, um, I think Moses is the person that appears most in the Quran. Mm. Um, what it isn't, it's not the story of Muhammad. Right. It's just basically all the same stories that you might know from the Bible, told, told again, and, right. and even added on to. Like sure. So anyway, that led me to this crazy idea of doing an illuminated manuscript of it, which... I thought when I started that I could do it in four years. Mm. That was my guess. Well, that's still <laughs> ambitious, yeah. Uh, it ended up taking nine years. Oh, man. Uh, I took some breaks, but yeah, it took nine years. But I finished. So I have this image. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I have this image of you on, like, you know, in a in a monastery somewhere, hunched over, hunched over the print with a quill pen. Well, it was like that a, a bit. I mean, except it was in. LA. <laughs> I worked on it on different trips and went places and but yeah I did I just sit there and read was, it and transcribe yeah. it and huh. I was gonna ask you that too about you know, the research portion of it where you you know you've gone to a number of Islamic states or, or predominantly Islamic uh, populations and and I it dawned on me I'm like you know I bet he picked the countries that had really good surf. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I went to the places before I started the project. You know, I've been to yeah. Indonesia, and India, and Morocco, and the Philippines. And, um, so. Yeah, but then, and then you started, but then you, uh, you went to Morocco. Well, you have to I went back to there. Morocco. Uh, I did a residency in, in Paris for three months, which is has quite a big Muslim population and, and I did a lot of research in the um, Institut du Monde Arabe mm. Institute of the Arab World that's uh, uh, on the on the left bank near Notre Dame mm -hmm. very cool so um, what are you working on now then or do you have another nine year project? no <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm done with nine year projects <laughs> but uh, no to finish I mean I've my whole I grew up here in LA in the suburbs and lived all over LA and went to art school here and one thing that's always sort of bugged me ever since I even got out of art school was like how do you be a painter in the city that's famous for movies and TV and mm. music and technology and everything is like fast and you know what's it mean to be all alone 
in your studio, like just painting, like in this way that people did 500 years ago. Right. Like, why are we doing that as artists? Is it worthwhile? Is it? How can you do something handmade? And I think I, that was part of me wanting to make this illuminated manuscript. It's like that's something that only an artist could do. You can't. It's not a movie. It's not a TV show. It's like you sit there and you hand transcribe all the letters slowly mm -hmm. and then you do the picture and then you put the pages together so that was part of the appeal to me mm -hmm. but I you know I, I, you said take yeah we're known for or internationally probably for movies and, and such but uh, you know there's a still a rich you know visual art history here as well and, and you know most notably the Finnish fetish yeah, sort of thing. Light and space, um, which you know, and and quite a bit of performance work too, which might kind of cross over into theater or film or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I see your point. But so do you, you? Is that something you still want to address about the the, the craft of it as opposed to um, working out your you know using technology to express yourself? Oh, I think it's just a thing I think about all the time through my whole, all my projects, like, I, I guess I'm sort of plagued by self-doubt, like, <laughs> what's the use of doing this? Why am I doing paintings? <laughs> and I always just... Well, what's the self-doubt <laughs> portion of it? Because do you think you could reach a wider audience, or you think you're preaching to a choir, or... Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, painting is such a, it's such a silly way to communicate <laughs> you know you you know I generally I have like a, a big show once a year somewhere and then so I work all year do like 15 paintings you have your show you put it up it's up for 30 days you know right. you go to some other party you see your friends hey did you see my show and they're like oh no does it did it just end oh I missed it you know, <laughs> everyone misses it even, even if it's really well attended and gets a big write up <laughs> what 20 people a day go see it so sure, like yeah. 500 people see your show but man you make a friggin Instagram post and <laughs> right. thousands of people see it in an instant yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. that's frustrating you know, it, it, I, I suppose unless you I mean because it, your work does have you know it has uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it's a message or it's not while it addresses um political concerns or political positions um, I don't think of your work as political I think it, and um, and I think it's more powerful because of that like, mm -hmm. you know if somebody you know beats you over the head with this message and it's in a painting to your point it's like who's going to see that and if you're that adamant about it go do something about it you know don't you know do something more active and then, you know, somebody will push back and go like, well, no, I'm an artist, that's how I do it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not very much fun to look at. I agree, yeah. <laughs> I try to make things that are uh, about issues that I care about, but also that somehow will last longer than whatever the topic is. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I, you know, and I'm thinking, coming to mind right now are your, the prison paintings which unto themselves are absolutely gorgeous, and then as you look more closely at it, you see that there's a prison in the background, or you know, very much part of the composition. 
and uh, and you know he gives you real pause. And again, to to my point that you know I'm not getting slammed with a message, it, and it resonates because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I don't want to turn it off, and I don't have to like take a position and go like, oh God, you know, yeah, this is propaganda. Yeah, and uh, my wife and I collaborated on this series of prints about the war in Iraq. These huge woodblock prints and. You know, that's we wanted the depravities of war. Yeah, and that's in the store, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted them to. What happens when the war directs over? And this is history. How does the print still remain relevant? And I think the way we did it was we based them on these prints from the 1600s by Jacques Callot which were the inspiration for Goya's works in the 1800s, right. yes. and then now it was the 2000s, so it was like every 200 years, like a revisiting. And they were about the horribleness of war throughout history. Right. It's not just just the war in Iraq, and by tying them to the history of warfare over 400 years, I think, made it stronger. Yeah, and the, and the, the stylistic... Uh, tie to that, right? I mean, it's like a, uh, as an inspiration, but they also share uh, some technique as well, correct? I mean, they're wood prints or they're etchings, yeah, they're lithographs rather. Uh, our prints were woodblock prints, um, really big, four by eight feet each. Right. And the original callos were uh, etchings, like little tiny etchings. Mm-hmm. So we kind of used his compositions and blew them up and, oh, and altered them instead. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're really quite spectacular. Where are those now? They're all over. How, did, as, as prints, but they're not like, you didn't make a thousand of prints. No, it was addition of two. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, so there's two and then the, like an AP and a PP. So I think there's four in the world. Artist proof, printers proof. Yeah, and uh, they st- they've been showing a lot because uh, we did them with this really fantastic printer that we still work with, um, Paul Milani, who when we did that project, he was in Maui in Hawaii. Yeah, barn. Yeah, he was at a school there called the Hui Noyao Visual Arts Center. Mm-hmm. So we did that project there, but then did since you find the, him in the Surf Connection as well, or uh, he found me. He mm-hmm. called the Catherine Clark Gallery in San Francisco and yeah. asked if I wanted to do a project in, in Hawaii. And he said, "Oh, <laughs> of oh, well, yeah. well, I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> now he's in San Francisco, but we still work with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's an awesome guy. You should do a podcast with him. He learned printmaking in I think in San Francisco. He worked at Crown Point Press, I think, for 10 years, and then he went to Japan for 10 years and ran a print shop and learned to speak Japanese, and uh, he knows all about like, Japanese um, scroll techniques yeah. and oh, papers wow. and stuff, so we did these giant woodblock prints, and he printed them all on this super strong, super thin um, mulberry paper he gets from Japan, and then there's 15 of them, and they're huge, and you can roll them up. They're huge. They're like four by eight feet. Right? Yeah. Yeah, they're big. And you can roll them up and put them in a tube and like FedEx it somewhere. And t- and when he gets there, you unroll it and the paper just goes totally flat. Really? Cool. And he hangs it up with magnets. And so it's been really easy to ship and to show. And it's traveled around constantly because, because of that. it's a cheap yeah. show. It yeah. goes to like a lot of universities. Mm-hmm. And they unroll it and it fills the whole room. Fantastic. So and it's... Yeah, smart that. marketing and smart uh, <laughs> and 
and really well-made work. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. That's yeah. true. So what are you doing now? The most recent work I've been doing is a series of paintings uh, that I showed at PPOW Gallery in New York in January this year. And they're sort of based on Bruegel's village scenes. Those, oh, yeah, yeah. Those views where you but, see like a hundred people doing something. Sure, yeah. But they're all um, white terrorism, oh. uh, like school shootings and oh my God. stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, and so these are large as well? And these are paintings, right? They're paintings. Yeah. They're about four feet by six feet. Mm -hmm. So I did uh, Parkland, Florida shooting, and the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. shooting. I did the guy that ran his car through Farmer's Market in Santa Monica yeah. like 15 years ago. Right. I did a painting of that. It's sort of, I guess it comes out of the Quran project, of really being em empathetic with the Muslims and... Uh -huh. how they get oh. accused of everything so I'm like sure. my project is like look it's really angry white men that are the terrorists we have to worry about in this country yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's for sure and then the the and the paintings and when you say the broil thing is that they're using the same sort of palette which is sort of the muted colors or this sort of that perspective where you're like on the second floor like looking down and mm -hmm. you see and that I like how there's people really far away and people really close, but yeah. everyone's like in really sharp focus and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So. so we'll have pictures up on aggeiger.com, uh, so you can check it out. And you can also you are at sandobirk.com. Yes, and that's s a n d o w b i r k. Correct. Dot com. And your next show is going to be where in San Francisco? Uh, it'll be next year in San Francisco at Catherine Clark Gallery. I don't have a date for it. And this will be the Bruegel uh, stuff? Probably carrying stuff. on. I'm not really sure exactly what it's going to be. And so how often do you paint? you paint every day? or? I Yeah, I work every day. Drawing, painting. You know, I work at home. We live in a loft uh, downtown Long Beach. So it's like a big open space. Yeah. Um, and it and used to be like half... Been, how long have you been there? Probably almost twenty years. Really? Well, not in that space. Mm. About ten years ago, we bought we bought it. Uh, but before that, I was living in a loft in Long Beach, over by the LA River, oh. on the west side. Uh, and I've always I've always just lived and worked in the same place. And but now we got little kids. Yeah. They run around and it's cute. Uh, well, the sounds like the loft is pretty big, right? Or, it's big, yeah. But when we bought it, it was just all giant open space, and now we. Yeah built a bedroom for the kids, oh, a no. bedroom for us, and it's getting smaller and smaller. But yeah, I work every day, I pick away and stuff. Yeah. I like to like just see it when I wake up, and sure. you see it new, and then go walk over and erase something or fix something. Right. That's kind of how I work. That's good. And, is, and your wife, Elise? Elise Pignolet. Pignolet, thank you. Um, she works in the same space? She has a studio in San Pedro at Angel's Gate. Mm. I, you know, I don't know that I, I want to go down there and explore, but I never go. Oh, yeah. You should check it out. Angel's Gate's awesome. Uh, it's, you know, San Pedro? Do you know the lighthouses at the end of San Pedro? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should. That's like, like I'm half Croatian, so I should know. Yeah. <laughs> the main drag in San Pedro is Gaffey Street. You get yeah. off the freeway, and it's just 
you just go all the way to the very end to hit the water and there's a lighthouse there and there's a park. Oh yeah. But there's a uh, right on top of that hill there's a used to be an army base from World War Two. And now it's they turn it into a park and then it's all abandoned and then they turn it into art studios. Oh really? So you they rent out the the old army barracks to, as art studios. And it's all run by LA Cultural Affairs Department. Oh no, kidding! And I didn't it's know awesome. Any of this. Like, I should know this. There's like 50 or 60 studios. Oh my gosh! And like twice a year, they have open house and they have food trucks and music and right. you walk around. But it's awesome. My wife's studio has ocean views out of three wind, three sides. It's <laughs> <laughs> not fair. And she she has all her ceramic stuff and kilns and all the machines and everything, and it's really affordable. Really? Wow! Well, who knew? Yeah. And is it, is it, it must be hard to get into then? Into uh, you would think so. You kind of have to do like an audition. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and then they're supposed to, the, they're supposed to rotate people scene. out. But oh. they actually don't. But there's, there's almost always a couple of vacant spaces. Huh. People come and go pretty often. And this is all through the cultural, cultural affairs, affairs department. Yeah. So, and that's, that's LA DAC, I think, department. Yeah, of you just Google uh, Angels Gate Cultural Center, it's called. Okay. So she works over there uh, because ceramics is messy yeah. and dusty. Uh, occasionally she works at home uh, painting and stuff. Very cool. Mostly she does ceramics. And the little, I mean, you, you, adorable children, by the way. They're really beautiful, sweet, nice kids. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> they can be trouble too. They fight a lot. Oh, yeah. But I guess that's normal. Well, how, how, what, what are the age differences? They're only like, she's like eight? She's nine and he's five. Oh. Four years apart. <laughs> they go at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as he can hold his own against the big yeah. sister. Because I, I have, uh, I, my, my son has kids in there, roughly that age, and they, uh, same thing. I mean, she's just you know, always on top of the guy. And it's just <laughs> it's crazy having kids. Yeah, kids are good. Kids are fun. Yeah, I, I like it. You know, I'm pretty old to have kids. My wife's quite a bit younger. Yeah. But, but we take them everywhere. We you know, yeah. drag them to museums and yeah. art shows. That's important. I mean, that's like you know, that's like socializing a puppy. Yeah. You know, they're not. They're going to be very well-rounded because of that. Yeah, so we were just in Ireland. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was awesome. And that was was Elise's residency? Yeah, we were in West Ireland in County Mayo and at a place called the Balling Glen um, Arts Foundation. Mm -hmm. And I did a residency there a couple years ago and... It's, it's awesome. It's out in this little tiny country village out by the ocean. And nice. They give you a, a cabin, a little house to stay in, and then there's a, a communal building with uh, six studios, so you get a studio to work in. And just do whatever you want. So I was out there working on my own stuff, and we were out there two years ago with our kids. We take our kids, we put them in school there, oh. which is super cool. And so how long is the residency, though? Uh, we were... Uh, between one and three months. So we oh. went for two months a couple of years ago, and my wife. And they, they just say, "Hey, drop the kid in school, no problem." Well, you you know, you set it up, you email sure. them, in, but they're used to artists showing up with kids. I see. So we put them in elementary school there, which they loved. I bet. Have yeah. fun. And uh, we had this little cottage that 
out the windows like sheep and cows, and the kids go out and feed them with carrots and stuff. But we were there two years ago for a couple months, and I was doing my own stuff, and since Elise couldn't do any ceramics, she just started doing these paintings, and she had them all pinned up on, on the wall, and then the woman that runs it, uh, she lives in Philadelphia, but she happened to be in Ireland, and she came in and looked, and she said, wow, these are really amazing. I said, oh, well, those are my wives. <laughs> and she said, well, tell her to come talk to me, and uh, they invited her to do residency the next time. So, oh, okay. so we went back, and it was all for her this time. Oh, wonderful. That's great. Then, and that's good, like, take the pressure off you. You don't have to work. You can play, yeah. play with the sheep and cows, go surf. Yeah, surf. I was on childcare duty, yeah. dropping the kids at school and picking them up. Well, cool. All right. Well, I don't. Do you have anything else to plug? Nothing to plug. Um, I'm in a show in Toronto at the uh, Art Gallery of Ontario. It's a big museum there. It's a show about political satire. I'm in a show in South Carolina. Right. <laughs> Upcoming. Uh, Catherine Clark Gallery coming up. Right. Uh, we're going to do a, uh, a print project with Charlie James here in LA. Oh, cool. Um, Charlie, we, there, you can, we did a podcast with Charlie early on, earlier this year. It's worth checking out. Charlie's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I show normally, I show in New York with PPOW Gallery, I show in Seattle with Capuan del Rio. That used to be here in LA. They moved to Seattle about three years ago, I think. So I show with them, and I show with Catherine Clark in San Francisco. I've been showing with her for about 25 years. Well, that keeps you busy between the children and the residencies and the painting. Yeah. And the work. Well, I'm very jealous of your lifestyle. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's uh, precarious, as all artists are. Working right now. Oh, good. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. Sure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now what do you want? That's okay. I can't. I gotta go. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest has been artist Sandow Burke. You can learn more about Sandow at SandowBurke.com, S-A-N-D-O-W-B-I-R-K. And you can find his books online at aggeiger.com and other reputable booksellers. Please buy local and skip Amazon if you can. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel, music and artist management company Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Check us out, MayfairLA.com, Regime72.com, and of course, aggeiger.com. Thanks for listening.